You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a series called Principles of Prayer. We pray that this encourages and blesses you today. Hey, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, because I promise we're going to get there. But before we get there, uh, I want to talk about the new year, about prayer, about fasting, and where God is leading us as we're starting a series on the principles of prayer. And... um, you know, I want to talk about how these next 21 days are going to be special for us as a church because we're uniting uh, with other believers. Uh, we've been doing this for the last five years, um, five years, and this year we're doing it specifically with nine local churches in our area. Uh, I want you to know who these people are. We sent out a church, a church plant a few years ago, Pastor Will Torres at Will uh, Proclaim Church. Uh, He's linked up with Boca Advent. They're going to be joining us, the Avenue Church in downtown Delray, Gospel Fellowship uh, in Boynton Beach, Coastal Chapel in Lake Worth, uh, Life Spring uh, over out in Wellington, uh, a Royal Palm area. We have a new church plant joining us that I'm going to mention a little bit later more about them, The Light in West Palm Beach. Uh, Solus Church with my boy Andy Lundy in Boca, and of course, Redemption Church. Uh, This is such a special season of unity, of prayer, of fasting, and this is all birthed off of, uh, we believe as we talked last week about strategy, um, our strategy as a church has been listen to God and obey. And as we're praying and talking to the Lord, he's been seeking him and pursuing him. He gives us actually insight, wisdom. And I've been actually been praying for, with some of these pastors in relationships for many years. Uh, Pastor Ron um, from Coastal Chapel and Pastor Rodney from Gospel Fellowship all started around the same uh, 10-year mark. In fact, today, tonight, is our 11th year anniversary as a church. We've been going for actually over a decade, which God has been so good and so faithful to us. And so the first pastor that actually I came into Delray Beach was Pastor Casey at the Avenue Church, met his team, and we just started cultivating a life of fellowship, of prayer. And because of that, we've actually been investing in other pastors and leaders and even sending other church plants, planting other churches. So people like Will have come along. Dan Grittner plant. Will and Dan Grittner, they're, 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 it's amazing. They both planted during COVID. God bless them. They planted and six months later, COVID happened. But they're a part of our crew. Andrew Lundy's a new church plant and even Jeremy. And it's just been great to have that godly example of the unity in the body of Christ. I'm telling you guys, it's so special here in South Florida and what God is doing, not just through our little network of churches, but just in general, the spirit of God is moving and you have to look for those things. And so um, as we were getting together uh, in prayer, talking about the theme of, um, of like, w- w- what do we want to seek after, what we want to pray for, uh, Ezra chapter 1 verse 5 came to mind. Uh, I was in a meeting with Casey, Ron, Rod, Will, uh, Dan Grittner, me, and we were praying, and, and this is what it says, then God stirred the hearts of the priest and the Levites and the leaders of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. I think what was really clear and special is we had this passion and this zeal and this preparation of guys where we finished a decade. This year was a lot of celebration. Let's run it back. Let's not lose sight. Why are we here? We want to rebuild the temple of the Lord. We want to continue the work. And we have this theme of, for our fast, of building the kingdom of God. It's not necessarily about our church or your church or whatever, but we want to be a part of what God is doing in this region. And we want to pray for those things in our lives. And so for three weeks, because if you do the math, three weeks divided by 21, 
three times divided by 21, seven days each, a week, right? Um, we're going to have each theme, and we want you guys to press in and to seek the Lord in areas of your life. So I want you to be praying for building the kingdom of God in your home. What does that look like? Building the kingdom of God in the local church and praying for our local churches in the area. And then we're doing a little something special as well as praying for the global church, the persecuted church. We even have one organization, Missionary Group, Go Ministries. Uh, they're joining our fast, reached out to us this, this week. We're giving them special translations and greetings. And they're like, hey, we have planners in Haiti and here and there and ever. Can we join your guys' fast and you all your resources? And we're like, Absolutely. So we're just, it, it, just blessed to be able to see God put it in our hearts as leaders to say, we want to rebuild the temple. We want to focus on the kingdom of God together. What can we do together uh, that we cannot do um, alone? And so I want to draw your attention to the connection table in the back, but there's these cards right here. Boom, boom, on the video. Can you see it? Blow. Okay? If you can't, just go to united21dayfast.com, brother. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying, Okay, all right. Um, but these are prayer points for every single day and themes for the week for us to be praying. And I want you to know that you're not just praying alone. You're praying with people in the church. You're praying with people in the community. And you're even praying with people all around the world. And then um, these prayer cards are a resource. On the website, there's also resources of like a, a book on prayer, uh, what fasting is, um, all those things. Now, a second verse that came as we were praying for all of you in this time, in this season. Remember when I told you to go to Luke 11? I just wanted you to make sure you know I was going there. You know what I'm saying? But I got a lot of stuff to say. Um, Isaiah chapter 58 is another verse that put on our hearts. And in fact, Laura and I were just leading worship this morning at Gospel Fellowship with uh, Rodney Wilkinson. He did a great message and preached on this passage. Uh, we're not going to look at the whole passage tonight, but I did want to draw your attention to one verse of what the Lord sort of spoke to us because, again, we're maturing and developing I hope in your life you're mature, maturing and developing your faith. And, and the Bible says you can grow in your faith. And so because this is our fifth year, we're like, listen, we don't want to just, just do the same thing. We want to keep on pressing in. And what does that look like as a group? And so the big idea of this chapter, chapter 58, is that God wants us to be humbled, uh, our, our, to humble ourselves as we pray, and to actually obey him. Not just to have a religious ritual. Because sometimes, even now with us, uh, since it's five years, it's like, okay, yeah, that's just what we do prayer and fasting, Daniel fast. Okay, we go to a worship night or do whatever. And we're like, no, this is the time. Let's seek the Lord. Let's, let's make this thing special. Let's pursue him. And so verse six says, is not this the fast that I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. It was God correcting the people and saying, hey, I don't want you to just praise me with your lips, but I want you to praise me with your life. And you guys know from the New Testament and the gospel that the, the gospel says it's the power of God to save. And, and man, we're to give our lives in response in word and deed to the truth of the Lord. And oftentimes, even now, because we're grown and, and there's you know, hundreds of people praying and it's just developing and growing and planting churches and all this stuff, it's like, no, no. We want to do something tangible. We want to go after it. And so we've made opportunity for you guys to have fellowship. We were actually even praying if we were going to do a big event 
to help the oppressed, to uh, loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to oppress the free. And many of you guys know throughout this fast, we'll be doing uh, three worship nights, Friday night worship nights. Uh, one, the first one is this Friday. Um, I will not be there. I'll be on the plane, like Pastor Robin said. Uh, my wife most likely will be there. But uh, on Friday at Proclaim Church, uh, Gospel Fellowship is going to lead us in a time of worship. Uh, and then on the 19th, we have Soulless Church leading worship then. Then we're back to Proclaim Church um, the 26th or so. I don't know. I have a slide or something up there. Again, this is all found on the website, but I want you to sort of see where we're developing, where we're going, and why we're even digging more in into prayer and where we're at as a church. Um, and so we were praying and we thought, rather than a big event, what's the best way to help the oppressed? The, the best way to set people free. We know that there's power in the gospel and there's no greater hope in this gospel and how God uses the means of grace to work through the local church. And so we said, what if we rally around that? Building the kingdom of God, not, not, not just building this, this big event. People are trying to come and there's this and hundreds of people now. And all this. No, what about a local church plant that we can help sustain it, to come alongside? What if we had a lifestyle of prayer? And so naturally what came about is talking about this one guy, Pastor Jeremy, and his new church plant from the light in West Palm Beach. Uh, in this neighborhood, he's planting a church in the Latin Quarter to two-by-two-mile radius in West Palm uh, with a large Latino population. His wife, uh, um, Angie, and him are planting a church. They moved from Chicago. Jeremy originally is from Boynton Beach area and now back pastoring to plant this church. And they just have a heart for Latino people, especially in this neighborhood. It's a, a, a neighborhood where the average income is about $30,000 a year. It's primarily speaking um, Spanish, but it is bilingual. And so they're planting actually a bilingual church. Hence, this is why if you go on the United Day 21 Fast, you'll actually see at the bottom right tab, it says, do you want to read this site in Spanish or in English? Because there are actually many people that are, uh, speak Spanish that are coming alongside that don't even, uh, don't even speak um, English. And so they launched this church September 24th. Uh, Brian and I actually went to their launch service. It was awesome. And what's amazing to me about this is this brother speaks with English one sentence, and translates for himself in Spanish and goes back and forth. I don't know how you do that, man, but it's amazing. I have preached with a translation and doing those things, but this guy just did it himself, and I, I told him, man, you got to come to, uh, to redemption and preach. I don't care if you preach in English, Spanish, whatever. I mean, you could do it all, all right? Um, but it, it reminded me just such of the heart of God to go where the people are at and just for him to be able to do that. And so what we said is, listen, as this things grow and it's a public event, let's go dig deeper because the kingdom of God is like planting seeds. It goes in the ground, gets buried, and dies. No one thinks about it until the Lord and the Spirit does some work in it. How do we as church leaders and as churches come alongside and build the kingdom of God and help the oppressed and the yoke? There's no greater way and we'll set people free than telling about the love of Jesus, that Jesus came according to Scripture. He died according to Scripture and he rose according to Scripture. And now you can have a relationship with him through the forgiveness of your sins, through the power of the cross. And so the church is a beacon of this light. What if we as churches came alongside this church plant and prayed for him and financially supported him? And it just got our hearts stirred. So redemption, 
Proclaim Church, Coastal Chapel, Gospel Fellowship, Life Spring, and the Avenue Church are coming alongside Jeremy in this new church plan to help financially throughout the year. We as a church are going to be giving $100 a month for 2024, coming alongside of him. In fact, my wife and I are having him and his wife over with a few other church plans to support, to encourage, to build him up, and to help the oppressed in our community to set captives free to proclaim the gospel in the Latin Quarter. And I want you to realize something, and I'm starting with this testimony of prayer, because I do think that this is an answer of prayer of what we've already been sowing season years after years after years of how God works. Guys, this is amazing. This is incredible. I want you to understand, in this prayer movement, in this just relationship with love of believers, we're not affiliated as far as philosophy of ministry or certain denominations. We have Pentecostals in this. We have Reformed people. We're Calvary Chapel. We have Acts 29. And we're coming together to support an evangelical free church. Not someone in our own tribe, but the kingdom of God. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. There the Lord commands a blessing. Last week when I talked about our values, about being kingdom-minded, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. As we told Jeremy this, his eyes swelled up. Tears started to come, and he said, This is an answer to my prayer, and it was such a joy. And I bring this up because as pastors and his leaders were bringing it up to our congregations and we thought listen we're going to give our financial budget but check this out in isaiah it talks about don't just pray but do some things make your fast something appropriate something good and we just discussed how cool would it be if there are people in our church that are fasting twice a week and skipping lunch so y'all are saving 15 dollars 20 dollars 10 dollars for lunch How awesome would it be if we encourage all of the body in all of our churches to give a special offering? If we're fasting and we're seeking God and we're praying, not only can we as a budget give, but what if we gave an uh, an offering to this work that God wants to do and all came alongside to sustain and to help? And so, man, there is no rule as far as 21 days. You got to do what God's called you to do, whether it be uh, 21 days, every day you skip lunch, you skip a breakfast, maybe you skip three days straight. But would you pray about maybe the extra, the savings that you, when you're abstaining from food to be able to give to this work? Or maybe you want to give to something else. Maybe God puts on your heart to give an extra offering to a ministry you know or to the local church. That's fine. But, but, but let's not just get into the ritual of saying, well, I'm just going to skip three meals. Or if you're going to skip 10 meals, you're saving some money. How could you be a steward of those finances? Because, you know, when Jesus said, uh, he links this up in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, there's something that, that, that happens in the season where we detach ourselves from material things and we give it over to God. And so this is why the finances, the fasting, the prayer, they're all making our flesh be in submission to what we want to do in the spirit. And the point is to invest not only in our prayers, but our finances, our life in the kingdom of God. And I love this proverb, Proverbs 11.25. It says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will then themselves be refreshed. It is such a good thing to excel and grow in our giving, in our fasting, and detaching us from the world and what is so easily 
gets our time and attention. And I just think that, that it's a blessing when Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And so our Lord wants us to walk in the spiritual practice, to lay our treasures up in heaven. And so we're giving God our heart, our time in the season, in the new year, through giving, through prayer, through fasting. It's not just a theme or a little card or an event. This is a lifestyle. A part of our mission is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And as we enter in the season of fasting, I just pray that you would ask the Spirit, how do you want to participate? Now, before we get into the prayer principles and the series and the text, we're still getting there, guys. Just hold on, all right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Just trying to give you some testimony and power. Just uh, every year I, um, I, I read a book and I grow in prayer. Um, and this is a classic. Now, I was debating on how you say his name, but this, is, uh, this book is just called Prayer by O. Housby. Um, and he was a guy that, that lived in the 1800s, 1879 through 61. 1961. He was one of Norway's uh, leading Christian teachers and devotional writers. Actually, in World War II, um, he was in prison for his resistance to the Nazi regime, and he worked as a seminary professor in Oslo uh, until, or Oslo until his death. And so uh, it's, it's a very small book. It's not even a full-size book, and it's about 200 pages, but I've just been developing, studying, praying through this the last month or so uh, in preparation for the fast. I like to be able to dive deep and, and, as a leader, go there first before we enter in this time of prayer together. And I want to give you a couple of quotes because I think it's important as we talk about prayer and fasting. Some of you guys may not be familiar what fasting is and what that looks like and what we're trying to encourage you to do. Uh, he says this about fasting. To fast is to abstain from eating and drinking for a shorter or longer period of time. It's that simple. I don't even think I needed to give a quote to this brother to give him that props. You know what I'm saying? But it's just simply abstaining from food, seeking God. And I just want to encourage you, you can do this. You can do this. You can skip a meal. You can skip a day. You can skip meals. You can seek God through silence, through his word, through worship, through fellowship, and just abstain from food for, and drinking for a shorter or longer period of time. We aren't just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. And we need to remind ourselves as we seek God that he is our daily bread that we need and we need to put our bodies in subject to these things that we think are so necessary. And don't get me wrong, food is necessary. But, but God is greater. And he tells us, and it's, there's this assumption in the New Testament and throughout Scripture that he assumes that when we pray. Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast. And I want to encourage you to just pray about it. He says, as, as long as we think we get time to pray, we will still do not know how great about our own carnal nature is. You're not just going to go happen and just seek God. You have a bent and rebellion against towards the Lord and the things of the flesh, and there's all this distraction. What you need to do is what we talked about last week, intentionally seeking God. What does that look like for you? This is another opportunity that the leadership, not only in this church, but local churches, is saying, hey guys, here's an opportunity to do it together. We're better together. He goes on and says in page 114, fasting is not confined to abstinence from eating and drinking. 
Fasting really means voluntary absence for a time from various necessities of life, such as food and drink, sleep, rest, association with people, and so forth. So we, we practice as Christians silence and solitude, and, and not just abstaining from food, but um, abstaining from things that can distract us. You know, I don't want to say this in a bad way. A lot of people judge this, but, you know, we often get so distracted from the news cycles, our social media, and it's good to abstain from those things to see God. It, it's appropriate. It doesn't even have to be a, a fast or a season, but we want to we match this fasting and abstaining and just consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. Uh, some people do the Daniel fast. It's 21 days of eating vegetables and those type of things, right? There's instructions on that and what you can eat and all this different stuff. And people get crazy with it. I, I've gotten crazy with it. I've actually been distracted by that. I found that I've actually lost focus on what I can eat and what, what, what should I do and all these rules when it's just about Jesus. It's just about seeking him. And it's beneficial for your soul and your spiritual life in this community. Even Jesus, who was sinless, he says, felt the need of acquiring composition of the soul by fasting before he entered the list against Satan. This is even something Jesus did to seek the Father. And I just want to encourage you. I know that a lot of people do New Year's resolutions and pondering and praising God in the past and looking for the future. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Include God this week. Take a step. Trust Him. One last quote. Then we're getting in text. He says, we resort to fasting in order to set our distracted and worldly mind, minded souls free for a time from the material things and from the distraction of our environment. And this and thus give the spirit an opportunity to search out our whole inner being and speak with him about the things which are grieving the spirit of prayer in order thus to reestablish unhindered communi communication with the spirit of prayer and greater influx of divine power. Soak on that statement for a while. All right. Principles of prayer. In this season of fasting, we not only want to have events, we not only want to direct our offerings, our time, our attention, all this stuff. We want on Sundays, before we jump into another book of the Bible, uh, Galatians will be starting in February, Living by Grace. Uh, we want to start our time this month and just give you principles of prayer. Uh, what does it look like? How do we grow in our development, in our uh, life and communication with the Lord and communion with God? Uh, for some people, like uh, Christopher, it's very natural. And you're like, wow, I wish I could pray like that. I can't. Brother, come on up here and pray. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but for other of us, we're like, listen, we want to grow. We have the heart and we need to have the examples and see from Scripture, what does it look like to pray? How do we pray? What are some principles? What does this thing all look like? And so we're going to start tonight with the remaining of our time. Trust me, I'm not going to go as long as you think. Um, but I want to just give you one simple principle. Uh, next week while I'm away, Pastor Robin will be teaching his principle and his sharing and, and what the Lord has taught him. We're also going to bring in Dan Grittner from LifeSpring, uh, one of these pastors um, that we're in relationship with and a part of the fast. He'll be preaching and then I'll close out um, the series as well. And so with the remaining time, here's the principal point that I just want to give you the message title or whatever. I want to say this, prayer is asking. Prayer involves asking. And you need to be okay with that. And you need to understand that. 
and embrace that. This is a fundamental principle we have to understand as we come to the Lord in prayer that your Heavenly Father loves you and displays love and a means of grace by you being helpless before Him and asking for things that are spiritual, physical, emotional, things that may mean so much to you are so big to you or even so little. God wants you to go to Him and ask. Asking is a vital part of our prayer life. And for many of us, because we walk in pride and we don't want help with other people, it causes that pride to come to the Lord and not participate in humbling ourselves and not participating in knowing the joy that when I am weak, He is strong. I'm currently in a cohort with some of these pastors. Casey Cleveland leads it. And we're doing some soul care to make sure that our souls are about Jesus, not just the ministry and, and praying with one another and having fellowship. And um, through Church United and the local work that we do, there's this local pastor, Brian, uh, Pastor Brian Brookins. Um, he's writing this material for the leaders. And in fact, I'm actually editing these videos, helping them disseminate to make healthy leaders in our area. And, and he says this about Luke 11, which we're going to read and cover. It's probably one of the greatest chapters of prayer in Scripture or in the Bible, because it's actually Jesus teaching us about prayer. And I want you to see, just as we briefly go through it, the primary lesson from Luke 11 is how prayer is asking, how Jesus wants us to go to him for help. He says this in Luke 11, the disciples are to ask ask Jesus to teach them to pray, and in response, Jesus provides explicit, concise, and powerful instruction on prayer and how to do it. We need power for the journey. Specific prayer offers access to God's power. So read with me. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Now which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within him, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend. Yet, because of his impudence, but means, that means like patience, perseverance, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will indeed of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? 
Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to ask and to rely on you. Speak and impart this wisdom to us. Amen. Here's the big idea, the one text, because I want us in the text now, in the Bible. The three ideas that come from this text I want you to get. Prayer is asking. God is good, so ask. And God gives his presence to those who ask. Now, we're going to do text work. We're going to look in this time in the scripture. I'm going to leave this slide as I talk and go. Because I want this up and I want this to just be embedded in your heart. Jesus, the master prayer warrior, the one that prayed often, Luke says, prayed so much his disciples ask him, how do you do that? You, 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 you see, you go in here and there, and there's some power, there's uniqueness. God, God is doing some great things, and we see and connect it to the link of prayer. And in verse 1, it says, teach us now to pray. Not teach us to preach, but to pray. Now, Jesus, in his goodness and his wisdom, in verses 2 through 13, actually teaches them and says some principles of what that means and how they should pray which, by the way, is already an answered prayer. They ask, can you teach us this information? And immediately, Jesus is like, yes, I will. So we should pipe up. We should listen. Verse 2 through 4, he teaches what's known as the Lord's Prayer, or maybe better called the model prayer. Okay, It's the model prayer of some principles of the truth. He says, now, when you pray, call your Father. Call him your Father. He, he loves you. It's relational. He cares for you, and he listens. You can have a relationship with this God. Call to him. And make sure you recognize his character when you enter into a time of prayer. Hallowed be thy name. It's holy as God. He's special. He's majestic. He's powerful. He's able to do these things. Recognize this fact about God, that he wants a relationship with you. He's special. He's majestic. But yet he is good. And he says, ask for his will to be done. Jesus is saying, you could trust this good God. You can trust his holiness for your life, his goodwill for your life. And so Jesus then proceeds to teach us to ask God for things, for, for spiritual, for physical, for emotional, and even relational things. Jesus says, give us daily bread. Give us daily bread, a physical need, a, a desire, a thing that you need. You, you need bread, food to survive. And he says, ask for bread, but this also ask for a spiritual need. Forgive us. Forgive our sins. The spiritual need, or, or lead us, God. Lead us against temptations. This, the, the Bible says, do not sin in your anger. We get tempted in our emotions, or even relationally. We can bicker and go back and forth and, and be led of the flesh rather than the spirit. And, and Jesus is just saying, listen, ask God to give you Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to lead you. For, for physical, for spiritual, for emotional and relational things. And it's these series of requests of asking. Now, if you're confused about this point, most people stop there, memorize a little verse, and move on. But Jesus actually goes and gives a story and an illustration. A story and illustration, and we've done a deep dive of what this truth is looking at Matthew. If you actually go to redemptiondb.com backslash teaching, the archive, every year we do a prayer, a series, and I've actually done a, a walkthrough in Matthew of all these principles of what that looks like. But Jesus doesn't even stop there. 
He goes on in verse 5 through 8 and he illustrates and compares praying to asking. He says, if a a friend asks you for for three loaves, I just find that interesting because it's so specific, isn't it? He says, if if he asks you for a real need and it's very specific, will you not give to him based on your friendship? But what if it's a bad time? Because you're with your family, it's nighttime, and it's like, dude, go away. I don't even care if we're friends. It's a bad time. Come in the morning. He gives this example of midnight and a friend coming late, so the other friend tells him, go away. But then Jesus says something. He says, because of his impotence or his perseverance, his friend actually answers him and gives him what he wants. So Jesus is giving a crazy story that highlights something very important for us. There is no bad time to ask God for specific requests. There is no bad time for you to, you know, ever get that like, oh, I don't want to interrupt that person. He's so special. God's saying, no. Jesus says, go to God. Even this friend would go to a friend. And even if it's a bad time, because of his perseverance and his persistence, that friend would give him that need. How much more will your heavenly father? You don't bother God when you pray and you ask. You're not a burden to God to ask for emotional help, to ask God to pay this bill or do a spiritual work in your life. It's not like if he listens to you, he can't listen to anyone else. He can listen to everyone at the same time in different languages. Praise God. So there is no bad time going to God in prayer and asking for things that are even so specific. There was a trial. This guy had a friend coming over. He didn't have enough bread. So he said, you know what would be great? If I can get a specific amount from this thing for that person. And it was a real thing. So Jesus continues to teach us how to pray by repeating and telling us to ask. And then promising us that we will receive when we do this. In verses 9 and 10, again, this is a verse that many of you know. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. I think there's a couple of songs about that. Ask, seek, and knock. Go to God, he's saying, with all your needs. Ask, seek, knock. God will answer and fulfill his word according to his will. And we need to understand this is incredible. Jesus reminds us in teaching about prayer that God is good and we can ask him. He will answer according to his will. So lastly, what does he do with the teaching? Gives another illustration and story. This is what he's doing. He's teaching our Father in him, hallowed be thy name, giving you a model, giving you a story to illustrate it. Teaching, verse 9 and 10. Ask, seek, knock. Now he's giving another story, another illustration driving this point home and concludes by removing our greatest hindrance in prayer, our doubt that God is good. He's trying to make sure that you know and I know that our God is good and it's okay. He really listens. He answers prayer, especially if we ask. And so Jesus says, now what father among you, if your sons ask, For a fish will indeed, of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. He says that we that are evil, which is just sort of a 
great theological blow just to make sure you know it's not by your goodness that you're getting all this different stuff. It's by God's goodness in the throne room of grace and what he's done. Praise God. But even us who are evil know how to good, good gifts. As parents, as people we love, we like to, we just had a Christmas scene, we like to give gifts and display love in that. How much more, he says, will the heavenly Father, who is not evil, but perfectly good, came in the form of likeness of man, but was sinless, and loves us, and know what's best for us, how much more will your heavenly Father give you what you ask? God is good and will answer our request. But God is good and he loves us so much, he'll answer, answer and say yes. And he loves us so much, he'll answer and he'll say no, or not yet. Now what seemed to be a subject change in the text, Jesus promises to give the Holy Spirit to all who ask. He says, how much more then will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And he links the Holy Spirit in the presence of God, of knowing God through prayer and meeting your needs that you could trust him. This teaches us that the answers we truly need are found in God's presence. What we really need and what he promises is his presence and he'll give us things to get us closer to him, to draw us to him, to make us into the image of him. He wants us to know that he does answer and he wants us to know his presence. So he says, ask for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is given to all those who repent and ask according to the gospel because Jesus would know that he would go to the cross and die for sin and be able to remove that sin that separates all humanity because he even quotes in here that we're evil. There's not good, no, not one, but God. And because of the wage of sin is death, man, it separates us, it isolates us. We are condemned in our sin, but Jesus came to seek and save the lost and he knew what was coming. And he not only would die for sin, but three days later rise again and give the Holy Spirit. And he would cry out in the feast, but, but I'll, I'll live in you like the Holy Spirit. And it'll be rivers of living water and you'll experience a relationship with me so much that you won't be scared to ask or, or you can come boldly in the throne room of God and you could know in an intimate way that you can have this type of relationship with me. Jesus says he would satisfy. And so ask for God's presence, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, for his presence because he will satisfy. Prayer, Jesus says, is asking. It's not everything, but it's definitely a principle in the Bible. James would say, you have not because you ask not. And if prayer is asking... You have to trust that God is good. So ask. And if you're trusting God is good, you have to trust that God gives his presence to those who ask because the best thing that you can have is him in of itself. So even if he tells you no or not yet, you trust his character and his presence and he leads you in this process of humbling yourself and going to God and petitioning your needs. Brian Brooken said this about this whole chapter, process, cohort. You will thrive as you know the goodness and the presence of God. And these realities are freely yours by grace. The Christian life 
is a life of learning to live by grace. And so I just want to start our time off and giving you confidence in this 21 days of prayer and fasting to ask. If God tells you no, it's because he loves you and knows what's best for us. Ask. Jesus said it over and over and over again. Ask. And keep asking. And keep going. And persevere. And trust God in the big and in the little things. Learn to trust his will for your life so that way you actually even embrace no's and not yet's because you're asking and you're humbling yourself and you're incorporating this. You're not a bother to God. And understand and trust that your pre- his presence, the Holy Spirit, is with you and he does promise to never leave you nor forsake you. What happens if you call upon the name of the Lord? What does Jesus promise? You shall be saved. He even told us in John that he'll cast no one out if you call upon the name of the Lord. You can experience and know God if you ask. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You can ask and you can experience, and every Christian should know what it is like to humble themselves and experience God's grace, because this is how we enter the kingdom. We are saved by grace through faith a repentance to ask, not by our own good works that no one should boast. It's not because we're so great and amazing that we became Christians. You know what we did? We humbled ourselves and said, we need God. And God wants us to be in that place of dependence. So he tells us in your prayer, don't forget to ask. Because even if I tell you no, I'm going to show you I'm king and I'm the king of kings, Lord of lords, and I can rule and reign your life and you'll still be satisfied because I will always give you my presence. Ask. Be filled. Come to me. Know me. So I want to give you this exercise, this piece of paper. Lord, if you could help me. I want to pass this out for you this week. It's this exercise he gave to us. It's two stacks. It's called targeted prayer. I'll give you two pets, sorry. Targeted prayer. It's an exercise to help us reflect and receive power. I made it specifically this size so you could just stick it in your Bible. It's a, it's a pretty helpful thing, and it's a practice to help us learn to live by grace, relying on God in everything we need, the small and the great, internal, external. And the idea is you would just write down in your journal or in the back of this piece of paper specific three to five things that you would like from the Lord. That's it. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's so profound. It, it seems so obvious, but yet... In the back of it, it says, imagine Jesus standing before you and asking, what do you want me to do for you? Often our hopes and our needs and our desires come out and the desires we want. And guess what? Even maybe if we want something that's inappropriate or out, at least God, give it to you. Give it to God and let him correct. Oftentimes you'll pray for something and and you think this is the answer and then God leads you and says, no, I'm going to give it to you in this way or that way. I actually did this recently was praying specific that I would get a new car or a new used car, new to me, at a certain time. And lo and behold, God gave me that car in a certain time. And you know what's amazing when you have specific prayers answered? You can specifically thank God for the things that he's done. And you could know that his hand is on you. 
But if you're not asking and you're not looking to God for these things, you just assume in your arrogance and your pride that everything is just from, you know, just from you and your hard work or whatever. But what if you were so dependent on God, you said, God, I, I want specifically this to happen, this relationship to be stored, that, and then you keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking until it happens. You have to persist. You have to not lose heart, Jesus says, and keep praying because God is gracious and as you pray and spend time with him, he will answer the prayer oftentimes by just changing your heart because through prayer we actually receive the heart of God. One of these pastors will probably talk about how prayer is also listening, being in the presence of God, hearing from him. And so prayer is asking. God is good. You can ask him. Don't be afraid. And God gives his presence to those who ask. Let's pray and take time now and close in communion, thanking God that because of the cross and because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can actually go boldly into the throne room of Christ and have a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you could start one today. You could turn and ask the Holy Spirit, come into my life, forgive me of my sin. And he honors that and forgives people of their sin and you actually can start a relationship with God and be filled with the Spirit and it's a beautiful thing that we all, man, we all long for. We were made to have a relationship with God but God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble and by grace you are saved. You have to respond through faith trusting that Jesus could be your Lord. And so Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, even now as we're committed to praying in this season I just want to ask, God, that you would guide us, that you would give us specific things to pray for, God, that you would give us a, a heart, a commitment to pray for, to, to long and to intercede. I thank you so much for that group that interceded for our community, for the church. God, would you help us not only to pray for ourselves and ask, but intercession is praying for others and those behalf that need you. We want to just be a people of prayer. And we want to learn and dive deep, Lord. Help us to see your teachings. And Holy Spirit, continue to illuminate it. Continue to lighten it up, Lord, in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, now as we prepare our hearts for communion, we just pray that you would examine us. Oh, God. We thank you, Lord, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your forgiveness as far as east is the west. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we want to come in with celebration and communion and just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you promised to return, that your kingdom is real, that you're ruling and reigning and it come back again. We recognize all this as we partake in communion. We need your blood shed for us. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We need your body broken. For, Lord, by your stripes we are healed. We need you, God, your presence. So we ask again to be continually filled. Touch us, Lord. Heal our mind. Heal our body. Lord, let our faith have works and let us walk out our faith to the community, to our family, to our friends. Let us be gospel witnesses of your glory. Let us behold you in this time of prayer. Let us see you more. 
For you are worthy of our praise, God. We give you thanks in advance for answering these prayers. We thank you for the testimonies to come. We thank you for the strength to come, the faith to come as we're seeking you in community, in worship, in prayer, in service, Lord. Lord, for those that are weak, build, strengthen. Thank you that you're our refuge in time of need. Some put their trust in princes and horses, Lord, but we put our trust in you. The name of the Lord. For blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in it, and who keeps faith forever. You will execute justice for the oppressed. You will give food to the hungry, Lord. You set the prisoners free and you open the eyes of the blind. It is you, Lord, that lifts up those that are down. So we bow down to you. We thank you, Lord, that you will make every wrong right, that you are righteous, and that you watch over us. So rule and reign, God, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Fill us again, and let us continue to be people that go to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter what you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.